0: Friends, as we, as we come together, as we come together this morning, uh, to, uh, to conclude a series of messages. A series of messages as we have been uh, studying the Lord Jesus Christ, His names and His titles. You know, I've never counted them all, but years ago, the evangelist Billy Sunday, after going through his Bible, looking at not only the names of Jesus, titles, uh, prophecies concerning him, allusions to him, found approximately 256 different names and titles. I'm thinking to myself, a five-year series—that's going to be a little too much for us. So, so we're gonna we're gonna conclude it this morning with a name that is very familiar to all of us. And that's the name Jesus, the name that we in English, in our English language, know him best by, his name Jesus. So as we have come each week to speak about the names of Jesus, the titles of Jesus, we were reminded that in the biblical stories and in biblical times, a person's name was often protected. You would greet somebody, but you wouldn't immediately reveal your name to them because people in those days felt knowing the name of a person, you knew a lot about a person. You knew their character, even their destiny. You knew their essential character, who they were. They were very careful in naming someone because they felt it had great power. And we've seen that biblically the various titles and names of Jesus have given us windows into understanding our Lord better. We call him Lord. That's from the Greek kurios, which means master. And so I often think to myself, don't call him Lord if he's not your master. As Jesus says in Scripture, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do the things I command? all of these names we use have specific meanings and they should be meaningful meaningful to us And I've said each week we should have a response to them as well. For instance, as we looked at Jesus as the bread of life, our response is to to eat bread. And that is to feed on God's word and to take Jesus and make him part of who we are. If he's our good shepherd, we need to follow him in our lives. If he is the anointed one, prophet, priest and king, have you received him as your king? Or do you still rule on the throne of your life? If He is the vine and you are a branch, you need to abide in Him and receive your spiritual life from Him. For without Him we can do nothing, Jesus says. In Him we can bear much fruit. Is He the Lamb of God, as we met at the communion table last week? If so, have you been redeemed by the sacrificial blood of Jesus shed for you as the Lamb of God on the cross? He bears the marks through all eternity the Lamb that was slain for mankind. Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. But now we finish with a simple name, Jesus. We use it often. It's one of the rare things you notice when a person's name actually becomes an epithet. It bothers me more and more as I get older to hear people use the name of Jesus as a swear word. You take the sacred and use it For the profane. You don't hear anybody do that. With the name of Muhammad. With the name of Buddha. With great human religious leaders. But of the son of God himself. They take God's name. In vain. Why did Jesus bear the name that he bore? Well we know from the Christmas story. That we recently experienced at Christmas time. It was a command. To his earthly father. Who would raise him. Joseph the husband of Mary, who bore Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back in that. Matthew chapter 1, part of the Christmas account. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. or to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. You will give him the name Jesus. Now, to Joseph, it made complete sense. Translated from Joseph's language, which very likely was Aramaic. Aramaic is not Hebrew. In fact, in Jesus' time, most people couldn't speak Hebrew. They'd understand a bit of it, but that was the language of the biblical text. That was the language the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, those who could read Hebrew in its original language, the Old Testament, they knew Hebrew. But remember when God's people were taken into captivity to Babylon they adopted the language of the Babylonians. It was a cousin of Hebrew called Aramaic. And they brought that language back with them. And that was the main language, very likely, that Joseph would have spoken. He would have understood Koine Greek, the Greek of the marketplace, because he was in business. But the name Jesus had specific meaning in Aramaic and Hebrew that we miss completely. You were to give him The name Jesus. Now it's not the Greek name, Yezu. That's a Greek transliteration of the name the angel commanded. Let's look at that name. What was it? How did it look in Hebrew? Yehoshua. That's who he was commanded to name him. It's an Old Testament name. It's a name that we know first as Joshua, the right-hand man of Moses in the Pentateuch. Joshua, son of Nun. Yehoshua means Yahweh saves. Yahweh, the covenant name that God revealed to himself, to his covenant people Israel. Often it sounds very much in Hebrew like I am. Moses says, Who do I say sent me? God says, Tell them, I am sent you, the self existent God. We often transliterate that into English now as Yahweh, but the reality is we're not sure that's how they pronounced it because Hebrew only has consonants. It didn't have vowels in it. You just knew from the context how to pronounce the words. So it might have been yeva Yahweh. We're not quite sure how the name was originally pronounced, but it is the special holy covenant name that the Lord revealed to his people. When Yahweh is in the text, most English translations translate it as Lord, but all capital letters. When they're saying the Lord Jesus, it'll be capital L or even small l-o-r-d. But when it's capital L, capital O, capital R, so forth, that's Yahweh. That is the name the Lord revealed to Israel in the Old Testament. And that's what the name means that the Lord, Yahweh, saves. Now the word salvation is also a name. You know the prophet Hosea? That's his name. His name means salvation. And originally Joshua, Moses' right-hand man, his name is listed as Hosea. But as they traveled and God commissioned him as a leader, they recognized that salvation was from Yahweh. Yahweh's salvation. And so Hosea became Yahoshua. He became Joshua. That's the origins of the name Joshua, and that's the name the angel commands Joseph to name the baby of Mary, the Lord Jesus. Saves. Basically, Jesus' name means your Savior. What a beautiful name. The name Jesus is the name Savior. When we say my Savior Jesus, we're saying my Savior, Yahweh's salvation. That is the meaning, the core of Jesus' name. Now let's look at first our salvation in Jesus, the one given the name Savior. And then what that means to be saved in Jesus' name. Salvation in Jesus' name. Now we've talked about it. When you do something in someone's name, you're doing it on behalf of that person. We do that. We use it rarely, but we still use it that way in English. I come in the king's name. Well, that person who tells you that, he comes by the authority of the monarch. He's there in the monarch's place. So when you do something in Jesus' name, including being saved, it's Jesus himself who's doing the saving. Our salvation is in Jesus' name. It's in Jesus. The name stands for the essential character, the very person that's being spoken of. In the name means commanded by with the authority of, in the will of, by the power of the one so named. Your salvation, all of that, comes from Jesus. Yahweh's salvation becomes your salvation as you are saved in Jesus' name. Now we know being saved in Jesus' name and putting our faith in the name of Jesus puts your faith in the person of Jesus. Fully god fully human, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sin and mine, risen by God on the third day at the right hand of God interceding for us. All of that is assumed and our faith is in this Jesus when we put our faith in his name. Scripture refers to your salvation in that way. For instance, in John chapter 1, We read in verse 12, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, all that we've just listed, when you believe in his name, that's what your faith is in. This Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you. To all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You're saved in Jesus' name. He is your Savior. Now, calling on the name of Jesus is putting your faith in who he is and what he has done for you. That wonderful salvation passage in Romans chapter 10, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved We put our faith in Jesus name. As scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call upon the name of Jesus, you call upon Jesus himself, the savior And you accept what He did for you on the cross. You accept that you are a sinner in need of a Savior and that Jesus, and only Jesus, can save. You are saved in Jesus' name. The person of Jesus. That's what it means in Acts chapter 4 as as the, the apostles, Peter and John, are called before the Sanhedrin. And remember what Peter says, the conclusion of his message on why this crippled man had been healed Peter says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus alone is our Savior. Do you have that experience? Have you accepted that? Do you believe that? Is it personal? Is it not something you know with your head but you've experienced in your heart? as you've called upon the name of Jesus and what He has done for you, and you've been set free from sin and self, that the wages of sin, the death, punishment, has been taken by Jesus. And the sting of death has been removed from you, from your faith in Christ Himself. I love testimonies to that fact. Leo Tolstoy, many agree, in modern times, hundreds of years, one of the Handful of greatest authors, greatest Russian author for sure, he and Dostoevsky. Now, if you hear of Leo Tolstoy, you think of that big book, War and Peace. Many of you don't realize he was profoundly saved, deeply spiritual Christian, but not always. His early books were full of typical Russian grimness and and, and anguish and sadness And then something changed overnight. Tolstoy himself said, For 35 years of my life, I was a man who believed in nothing. Five years ago, my faith came to me. I believed in Jesus. And my whole life underwent a sudden transformation. Life and death ceased to be evil. Instead of despair, I tasted joy and happiness. Friends, that is what it means to put your faith in the name of Jesus. The person, the character, the actions, the salvation won for you. Not by anything you can accomplish because our righteousness in God's eyes, it's like filthy rags. But Jesus, what he did for us. Jesus, only Jesus. Friends, if we're saved in Jesus' name, we are called to live In Jesus' name. Salvation is not a fire insurance policy you tuck in your pocket waiting for the day when you lie on your deathbed. It becomes who you are, a way of life. You're saved by the grace of God and you live in the grace of God. Our whole lives are given to us fresh and new. And let's look at that. We do it. I mentioned in Sunday school, we do it all the time. We pray In Jesus' name. That gift of communication between you and God is through Jesus. When you're praying in Jesus' name, you are in Christ, saved by faith, a child of God. And through Jesus, the way is open to you to the throne of God. In Jesus' name is not simply a formula like over and out to finish off prayers. It's how we pray. It's not the words. It's not a formula that makes God hear us. A prayer is being mumbled along and then, in Jesus' name, suddenly God's ears perk up. No. In Jesus' name is how you come to the Lord, through Christ himself. Jesus answered prayer in person as he walked among us. People asked him for something. He answered But He told His disciples in the Gospel of John chapter 16 in the Upper Room Discourses that when He went home to the Father to intercede for them, that they could still ask Him, but it would now be in prayer. Speaking of that future day, Jesus says in verse 23 of John 16, In that day you will no longer ask Me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Jesus is teaching how we come to the Father. But when we pray in Jesus' name, it's much more than how to end your prayer. It's how you pray. Because remember, in Jesus' name means in His will. I often pray... I said, Lord, you know what my will is. My will is for health and restoration. But I know your good, perfect love, sometimes your will is different. So Father, praying in Jesus' name, praying in Jesus' will means, Lord, I want your best for this situation, whatever it may be. Jesus' name is to bring us into alignment in our prayers with the will of God. The great Danish theologian, existential philosopher, mathematician, the guy was smart. He could do a lot of things. His name was Soren Kierkegaard. When it came to prayer, he once said, Prayer does not change God, but it changes Him who prays. Truly praying and seeking God's will, praying in Jesus' name, sometimes change our hearts, sometimes mobilize us. To be God's answer to that very prayer that we pray. Praying in Jesus' name. It's part of being saved in his name. We grow more and more in step with the Jesus whose name we bear. The next thing. Being saved. Living our lives saved by the Savior. Yahweh's salvation in Jesus' name is healing in Jesus' name. Now you may say, well, mm, healing, we're Baptists, come on. But the reality is, in all of these, what I see in the Bible is that when Jesus ascends to the Father's right hand, he remains in the hearts of his people. His ministry is multiplied. There's no more one Jesus physically present. He's now present in the little Christ, the Christians. And his ministry is multiplied throughout the world as the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, indwells God's people. And I see the ministry that Jesus begins in Galilee in the dusty roads of Judea, I see that ministry continued throughout the book of Acts. And I see it continued to this very day in the lives of people. Now, miraculous healing, it's not always present. We always pray for healing, but we know God uses sometimes the wisdom of doctors, modern medicine. But all healing is of God, whether it's miraculous and in an instant. And I've seen that in my ministry. I've seen a profoundly deaf little girl just through prayer of a church receive her hearing. I've seen people who I anointed and fully expected and prayed over them to be doing their funeral. When I returned from holidays, they were home and healthy. (laughs) God's healing was far bigger than my own faith. But ultimately, all healing is from God. You know, if Jesus healed the sick as they came to him, what are the people of Jesus doing today? They're establishing hospitals and hospices and care and they're bringing health and healing emotionally and physically through medicine and counsel and love and care throughout the world. Far more people are being impacted and healed in the name of Jesus than Jesus did himself in his public ministry. It's incredible. Again, going back and looking at That amazing story in Acts chapter 4. The man by the beautiful gate who was healed. Peter says, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you, Healed. Healed in Jesus' name. That's in the power of Jesus. Now, this continues, this ministry. We're commanded, for instance, in James chapter 5, though the context of James chapter 5 is not just for anointing and prayer for healing of the sick. The broader context, if you look at the passage, is that these people are on their sick bed. Because God is disciplining them for sin in their lives, the point of the passage is that they repent and find forgiveness from God, restoration and healing as part of that. But the passage says, "If anyone who is, if any one of you is sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him, to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord." It's in the name, the person, and the power of Jesus that we recognize God is dealing and healing as he wills it, these people. You recognize I've got anointing oil in my office. It's something we offer. It's in Scripture. We say if it's in Scripture, we want to practice it. I think it's something we need to pay more attention to. What keeps us from doing it? Oftentimes we're a bit embarrassed. Uh, It's kind of strange to people... But I know many of you here have taken advantage of that and have seen God use many things to bring healing to you. His miraculous healing power. He's the great physician or the wisdom of doctors or modern medicine. God works through all of these means to bring healing. Oh, I love John Newton, the great uh, author of hymns who wrote Amazing Grace. Remember what Newton said? He said, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds, In a believer's ear, it soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. Your mind, your body, and your heart. God heals them all. The healing ministry of Jesus is carried on through his people, but as well, deliverance ministries, care ministries, for instance, spiritual power is in Jesus' name. It's a tool in the Christian's toolbox, again, often overlooked. Now, I'll be honest. We live in the secular West. We live less so these days in a modern paganism, but we've often lived in a rationalist, atheistic, secular human society where Satan will gladly see people go to a godless eternity to spend eternity in hell not believing in Satan or God or anything. In that case... He lays low. But in spirit-based societies where people are held in bondage through fear of the spirit world, Satan is like a roaring lion. Talk to your missionaries. You see it openly. Even years I ministered among indigenous people here in Canada, they are in bondage through fear of evil spirits. And there we see the power of God. It's like the book of Acts. Demons are cast out. People are delivered wonderfully and it's all done in the name of jesus the person and the power of jesus his ministry continues in us jesus believed in short-term missions because it leads to something bigger by that i mean in luke chapter 10 he authorized put his name upon his authority on and sent out 72 of his disciples on a short-term mission trip I love it when they came back. It says in Luke 10, The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus says the joy is from your salvation. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Power over evil spirits, that's a tool in the Christian's toolbox. We are in spiritual warfare, and all too often God's people withdraw from the battlefield when we should go in the name of Jesus. You know, because the name of Jesus, it's not magic. Magic is thinking you can use certain words in Jesus' name like an incantation that somehow you will harness power to get your will done. That's not how Christians pray, and it's certainly not how you have authority over unclean spirits. That mistake was made, remember, in the book of Acts, by the seven sons of Sceva. You know, the Jews throughout the Roman world were known as exorcists. That whenever the Romans were troubled by evil spirits, call upon a Jewish holy person and they will come and cast out the demon. Because they did, as Jewish people, worship the true God. But during Christian age, something changed. It says in Paul's time in Ephesus, that some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke, that is, use as a magical incantation, to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Now, if a Christian does it, we're in the authority and the power and the will of God, and the demons are cast out. But if somebody who doesn't know Christ tries it, Different outcome. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. They knew of Jesus secondhand, rather than him living in their hearts and working through them. I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. One of my favorite stories from the book of Acts. Really a good story. Makes a strong point. Talk about learning a lesson the hard way. But this is part of who we are. The ministry of Jesus. Healing, caring, feeding, teaching, it continues through us. We see it today in Christian hospitals, in Christian schools, in care ministries. The power and the love of Jesus is multiplied as we minister in his name. But what about you personally? And we conclude with that. The final part of being saved in the name of Jesus by the person of Jesus is living your life in Jesus' name. Your whole life. Not an hour or two Sunday morning and maybe part of a day in the middle of the week, but your whole life. Saved by grace. Live by grace. Saved by Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus living in you and through you. That's living in Jesus' name. I've mentioned before, but, you know, we moved around a lot when I was a boy. And I was so thankful that in the early 70s, I don't know how we found about it. I, somehow my parents learned that across town, all the way across San Jose, California, there was a little church plant that, of all places, was taking place in a, a senior's community. And in that seniors' community, they had a common area. They lived in condos, but they had the common area, which had meeting rooms and kitchens and little gymnasium. And a church was being planted there. I don't know why or how we learned about it, but we showed up there. And it was a North American Baptist pastor, a veteran pastor, Who'd planted many churches, and he, in his older age, he and his wife, Aaron and Dorothy Bueller, were planting their final church for the grace, for the glory of God. And you know how it is, you have your whole family, and then God surprises you with that change of life baby later, you have one much younger than all the others? Well, they had a son my age, who was still at home with them. And he became my friend, and Pastor Bueller, Pastor Aaron, out of all the pastors I had in my life, when I talk about my pastor, it was him, and he loved us. he was much older than us, but in that church, the seniors had the biggest impact on we teenagers. Pastor Bueller loved us. take us into his home and mentor us. Our bible study teacher for all the thirteen to seventeen year old kids was Isabel Barbon, who by then was uh, she was if she wasn't eighty she was Within shouting distance of it. But she understood teenagers and what we faced and who we were better than anyone I'd ever met. And she opened God's Word to us because she had a profound love of the Word of God and it was accessible to us. Seniors, you have a great ministry if you will accept it. But something Pastor Bueller, he often referred to, He said, you know, it took me all the way to my college years before God impressed this verse on my heart. And he says, I've tried to live by it ever since. It's from one of Paul's lesser letters, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. And he would read it to us. He said, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Pastor Aaron said, I learned that if I can't do something in Jesus' name, I shouldn't ought to be doing it. If I can't take Jesus with me when I go there, I shouldn't go there. If it's not worthy of Him, what I say and do, I ought not to be doing it. I should be trying to live out Love of Jesus as He lives in me. Whether we're at home, how we conduct our family life, is your home a reflection of Jesus? At school, do the teachers think there's something different about that student? It's because you live your school life in the name of Jesus, you conduct yourself as a follower of Jesus. How about business? you the type of person when you shake hands with somebody, they have to count their fingers when they get their hand back. That's not how we ought to be doing business. If we live our lives in the name of Jesus. I finish, I finish with a quote from the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon. He put things so well. He said, Do I live as carelessly and worldly as unbelievers while professing to be a follower of Jesus? If so, I'm exposing Christianity to ridicule and leading people to speak evil of the holy name by which I am called. Live your life in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have been blessed as we've studied the names and titles of Jesus. Lord, the Lamb of God, slain for the world, the Good Shepherd who leads us, the Vine which gives us life, the Anointed One, our prophet, our priest, our king, the bread of life, the water of life, they feed us, they grow us. But Lord, it comes down to Jesus, the sweetest name we know, Lord Jesus, Yahweh's salvation. Jesus. Father, may we live our lives in Jesus' name. May He live in us and through us and continue His ministry of loving, caring, teaching, healing, feeding a lost and hurting world. Lord, we pray but we seek to live in Jesus' name. Amen.